Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. But hearing from businesses, from Canadians right across the country, particularly as we approach the holiday season, uh, who are uh, really feeling negative impacts of this, means that uh, while we are continuing to hold out hope that there's going to be a, a, a settlement or an agreement at the bargaining table, we also have to do what's responsible and uh, uh, prepare for, uh, for the possible uh, uh, need for legislation. All right, so that was the Prime Minister speaking here in Calgary today, asked about the situation with Canada Post. The federal government has tabled legislation that will force striking Canada Post workers, at least these rotating strikes, uh, back to work. Cup W, the union representing postal workers, as you can imagine, not too happy about all of this. Uh, amid the uh, several hundred pro-pipeline protesters uh, turned out today in downtown Calgary, there were a couple hundred uh, Cup W members uh, voicing their displeasure at the government's approach to all of this. And obviously, heading into the holiday season, there's potential impact on Canadians. Small businesses uh, have been uh, very vocal about how this is uh, impacting them in a negative way. But I do wonder, I mean, otherwise, are Canadians even noticing all of this? You know, Canada Post is not nearly as relevant to, in our day-to-day lives as it once was. And certainly Canada Post is really only, I think, in large part remained relevant, relevant because of parcel delivery. Canada Post, of course, owns Pure Later Courier with the online shopping uh, there is a lot of business when it comes to delivering parcels. But when it comes to the uh, the mail that we're used to receiving, the daily door-to-door, in-your-mailbox kind of mail, uh, that that really is becoming more and more irrelevant. So it seems like Canada Post is, is at a bit of a crossroads here. Joining us uh, for some thoughts on all this, very pleased to welcome to the program, Ian Lee, Associate <coughs> Professor at Carleton University's Sprott School of Business. Uh, Ian, great to have you with us. Welcome to the program. My pleasure, Rob. Uh, does it surprise you at all that uh, Ottawa is moving to, to put an end to this? No, uh, because I've studied uh, in my uh, Ph.D. thesis 30 years ago, and then uh, I wrote uh, my entire thesis on the origin and evolution of the post office, and then I updated it about three years ago with a, a publication with a think tank here in Ottawa called Is the Check Still in the Mail? Mm-hmm. And as part of that research, I did look at all the strikes at Canada Post, and uh, they've been legislated back to work uh, frequently uh, over the last 30, 40 years. So there's a history there of... Um, of, uh, shall we say, uh, contentious uh, labor relations between CUPW and the management. And as I said, they've been legislated back uh, to work uh, by just about every uh, long-serving prime minister uh, because of strikes that went on for you know a period of time that were uh, disrupting uh, uh, the economy in those days, as you noted. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, I mean, this time around, it hasn't been a full-blown strike. It's been rotating uh, strikes in various cities across the country. I mean, you yeah. know, Canada Post not as relevant as it once was. How much of an impact do you think this this job action has had? Um, 
Nowhere near as much. I just want to unpack what you said, because you're absolutely correct. In the 1970s, 80s, 90s, uh, a postal strike was crippling. It brought the country, the economy, to its knees. And that's because Canada Post was an absolutely essential partner with the payment system. People don't think of that as Canada Post and the payment system of the banks. But before Internet, before electronic banking, before e-transfer of funds and e-invoices and e-billing and all that, the, the payment system was quite simple. A business or a government department like the tax authorities would send a letter to you or I that owed the money asking for us for, to send the money. We would then write a check, put it in an envelope, and pop it in the mail, hence the most famous phrase in the English language in those days, the check is in the mail. Right. Those days have come to an end because we've practically digitized anything financial, checks, remittances, payments, uh, you know, old age pension checks, uh, family benefits, and so forth. However, because of the explosion of e-commerce, it has emerged, and Canada Post has been very successful, they're the number one market share in parcels, in, in, in attacking and exploiting that business. So the entire, all of Canada is no longer dependent on the post office. That's absolutely correct. However, there's a significant subset of Canadians, and I'm talking about the small business sector, the 200,000 small businesses that use Canada Post for parcel shipment, mm -hmm. as well as all the people across Canada that use e-commerce to order gifts for their family or their fa uh, relatives. I'm one of them. And, and so it's not all of Canada like the old days, but it's a good chunk, a good minority of Canada, probably... I don't know, 30% or so is, is very dependent on the post office, but for large numbers of other Canadians, it has no impact on them at all. If it weren't for the parcel business, where would Canada Post be? Uh, dying very quickly. Uh, I'm not trying to be melodramatic. Right. Um, let me throw a couple of quick big-picture metrics. From 2007 until now, 2 billion pieces of mail have vanished. Vanished. <laughs> people... In other words, people aren't writing letters anymore. And it's not just people. Businesses aren't remitting in the mail anymore. Customers aren't, uh, the businesses aren't remitting invoices. We're not remitting payments in the mail. And they're, they're, the, 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 the letters were the bread and butter. Three quarters of the totality of the business of Canada Post was letters. And it was the, by far the most profitable. They make a lot of money on each envelope delivering it. Parcels are not as uh, profitable. There's more expenses involved, and there's competition. And so, yes, I mean, it's great that they're getting all the, uh, they're getting a parcel post business, but the loss of the revenues uh, that is, is going down at 7% a year in volume terms has been devastating. And I predict within 10 years, those letters will vanish as businesses and governments and universities and colleges and other organizations continue to digitize their entire value chain, I call it, their entire communications and financial structures. And every organization, broadcasters like you, universities like mine, everywhere, they're doing it. So what we're seeing is the remaining letters that are being mailed, that's just a, a lag, mm -hmm. but they're vanishing. They're going down 7% a year. It's 10 years from now. It won't be Canada Post. It'll be Canada Parcel Corporation, <laughs> not Canada Post Corporation. But there's competition in, in, on that side of things. Well, that's, that's the problem. And, and uh, there's, uh, in the letters, they have a monopoly granted by Parliament. It's the, uh, the norm around the world. Uh, in parcels, there's no monopoly. But, you know, it's worse than that because the business model of Canada Post, the postal system, is you have letter carriers delivering mail 
five days a week, 52 weeks a year, to every last address, business and residential in Canada, which is over 16 million. That's the business model. The business model for parcels, people think, oh, well, it's just one product line replacing another product line. No, because parcels, you only take the parcel to the door when you have something to deliver. And people say, well, yes, I understand that. But what that means is you have to structure your whole company very, very differently. You need far fewer people to deliver parcels than once you stop delivering letters, and they haven't stopped yet. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. We still have an obligation at law to deliver them, and they still are delivering them, but just that they're declining at 7% a year. So... They are running two business models side-by-side under the same corporation, but one of them is dying, and one of them is expanding very rapidly. It's interesting, and it's not the first time we've heard this, either from the union or from defenders or supporters of Canada Post. They want to see uh, Canada Post get into the business of banking uh, as a way to, I guess, remain more relevant. What do you make of that? I testified, I was invited to testify before the Blue Ribbon Panel uh, set up by Prime Minister Trudeau after his election, some months after. And um, uh, they asked me a series of questions, very similar to the kinds of questions you're asking. I thought they were very thoughtful, probing questions, like, where is this organization going? And they specifically asked me about postal banking. And I said, uh, uh, very bluntly, it is ludicrous absolutely ludicrous. And I'll explain why. I'm a former banker, by the way, way back in the 70s before I went back for my PhD to become a professor. Banking today is very Mm high-tech, very capital-intensive, and very uh, technology-intensive. To become even, even to hook up a fraction of the 6,000 postal outlets, you've got to hook up high-speed data lines because that's what customers expect. They want real-time banking. You can't go in and say, I want my balance. Oh, well, we'll mail it to you in three weeks' time. And so you have to spend an enormous amount of money buying the high-speed computers, all those IT programmers, um, and retrain the people in the post office. I mean, I estimate it would be in the billions of dollars to enter banking against six of the most formidable banks on the planet Earth, the six Canadian banks, who are truly formidable. Mm-hmm. And they don't have the competencies, they don't have the capital, they don't have the experience, they don't have the knowledge, and that's not to put down Canada Post or Cup W. They're in the, in the transportation of envelopes and parcels business. They're not in the banking business. And, and likewise for their proposal to go into and deliver high-speed internet to rural and remote communities, you're going to be taking on Bell Canada and Rogers and TELUS, again, very high-tech industry, very capital-intensive. So I said that those two suggestions that have been uh, bandied about are completely unrealistic uh, for as a future avenue for Canada Post. They have to focus on the act- opportunities they can actually go after, which, as I said, is the exploding parcel market, because e-commerce is growing like crazy. It's growing four to five times faster than bricks-and-mortar retail sales. 
But in the meantime, I mean, there are real structural issues at Canada Post in terms of labor costs, pension obligations, oh, right? And, and we just kind of keep ignoring it, it seems. Huge. This is why, you know, Rob, I, I really don't think uh, that the issues can be settled at the bargain. I mean, some of them can, but it's a Band-Aid at the bargaining table because the biggest issues facing this uh, company are, can only be resolved by the shareholder. Who's the shareholder? Oh, that's the government of Canada. They're the people regulating the labor relations, but they also own the company. I'm talking about the decision to restore it, which they promised in the last election, home delivery to 800,000 people. Well, that'll cost $500 million a year every year. That will blow such a big hole in their books. It'll, it's astonishing, without mentioning the amount of money they'd have to spend to go into banking or broadband uh, internet. So what I'm getting at is there's some very large decisions that can only be made by the government of Canada, by the cabinet of the day, the Trudeau Liberal cabinet. And remember, they had promised a new CEO with a new strategic vision by the beginning of this year. They didn't. I'm not suggesting they're being negligent or procrastinating. I think what happened was after they got into power, they started talking to people behind the scenes, and they had an oh-my-goodness, oh-my-God moment when they started to realize that these promises were had such an enormous cost attached to it that it was just not feasible politically. I mean, can you imagine going to the camp people and saying, we're going to restructure and reinvent Canada Post, and it's going to cost $5 billion or $3 billion. Mm-hmm. It's not going to fly. I mean, and and so now they're sitting there saying, well, gee whiz, we don't want to walk back our promises because it will look really bad and we'll get attacked by Cup W and the opposition parties. At the other hand, they can't go forward and restore home delivery to 800,000 people. They can't go into postal banking. They can't go into broadband delivery. And so they're sort of stymied trying to come up with some new vision that is they think is going to be acceptable uh, to, uh, you know, a majority of Canadians. So... I think they are going to legislate them back to work. I think they're going to announce an arbitrator of some kind in the agreement and have that person report back in three months or four months because they can say, well, there's big issues like the security, the the, uh, safety issue of the parcels agreed, and there's equity issues, the rural female drivers versus the urban drivers, and there are inequities there. So they can almost do ask for a mini-study as well as um, uh, recommendations over the, the, the disputes, and then they could report back in the summer, well, Parliament is in recess in the summer, and in the fall, whoops, well, the writ will have been dropped, and governments don't make big, complex decisions during the writ period. That's a strong Canadian norm, and that will allow them to boot it past the next election of October 19, because I don't think they want these issues to become election issues in the election, because they're very difficult. Yeah, indeed they are. Uh, Ian, we'll leave it there. Appreciate the insight, as always. Thanks so much for making some time for us here today. Thanks very much. All right. All the best. Ian Lee, associate professor, Carleton University's Broad School of Business. Someone, as he noted, uh, has uh, written much, spoken much, studied much this, this issue of Canada Post and the challenges it faces. What do we do? There was a study we uh, talked about recently that suggested maybe we could sell off Canada Post, use that money to, to pay off that pension obligation and just call the whole thing a wash. But I don't know if there's an appetite for that. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.